Go ahead, um, tell me the questions you have to ask. Okay, I guess we're live, everybody. Uh, even though Mr. Stamboli here, the superbike genius, is reading a magazine. Well, <laughs> it's what the fuck are you reading this time, man? Acropublic's Lifetime Life, Lifestyle Magazine, man. It's really cool. Look. Oh, that, well, that's perfect. I mean, they, this is like one of the few magazines I read. <laughs> like, I definitely don't read that other magazine that's been around for a long time. So, you know, uh, we we were just at a we are at the first i guess you could say the late what do you say the late postseason test That's yeah because <laughs> jake was jake was getting surgery and cam was getting half the bones ripped out of his arm well he said he was deleting unnecessary body parts yeah i mean he or wants wait. to get lighter so i figured yeah, yeah. extra excess bones you don't use yeah yeah well he had to get rid of his limp wrist right so he's you know now he's like full on all he's the time, more than Chris, right? Well, he's not. Oh limp yeah, limp he's like, right. yeah, okay, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I'm not <laughs> with the limp crowd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So everybody's having surgery and stuff, and it kind of put a damper on your normal test schedule. So yeah. Um, what, what, what was the goal of the postseason right. test? Wrap that up. Like, what's the goal of the postseason tests? Typically, well, typically you would you would go out and you would you would uh, nail you nailed by that time you nailed your basic setup right. And if you go to a new track or you go back to a track and test it all all winter long before you start doing the nationals, you try to figure out have you gone forward, how much forward have you gone, and the areas you try to start nailing the areas you want to improve for the next season. Right. But through the season, we had a pretty good idea what we want to do with the bikes to improve them, and uh, but we want to still follow through with the process and. Do a little postseason test, especially since uh, Cam. I don't think rode a uh, ridden a sewer bike since what after Laguna. Laguna, like yeah. So that's a long time to be off a motorcycle. So yeah. we figured we'll go out for this test, spend a couple days, and uh, see where our bikes are, see where the riders are, see how their wrists are doing. Both of them had surgery, and yeah. uh, you know Jake had that nerve that that nerve that was bothering him. His hand was going numb. So he had that fixed, and then you know, obviously Cam had those uh, those bones removed from his wrist, so he can get the the dead bone out. Yeah, he told me, man, and it looked gnarly. Like he that that whole row, that whole row is just gone now. Like it's his hand looks super weird now, but he went yeah. fast. Plus, uh, we worked pretty closely with Captain USA on some uh, 220 volt systems for our tire warmers. Yeah. So one yeah. of the things, one of the things we're top of our list is when we get the racetrack, we'd have two one one ten generators going, and it still wasn't enough to warm everything and the bikes. Oh, so we'd okay. always have to be real careful, and sometimes we sometimes we especially in qualifying we might trip a breaker. We need a lot more amps. So what's the best way of doubling your capacity is go to two twenty. You know, so we brought in all the uh, he brought in some some warmers that, that they had returned from Tectois along with some new stuff. And those were, uh, you know, two separate channel warmers with a, with the, uh, with a rim heater and the, the yeah. tire heater separately. So now we can concentrate the temperature where we want it. And along with that, we built a new enclosure for the tirearium. Tirearium, yeah. So we can grow yeah. some wheels back in there, you know. But anyway, so that enclosure, uh, we had some issues too last year with with wind, and so the cover we had before on our tire rack was you get a draft underneath it or something like that. So the tires on the bottom would heat different than the ones on top. So right. we were always conscious of how it went. So we built an enclosure that, 
that uh, have a little more even temperature all the way across top and bottom and separated sectors and things like that. So we spent a little bit of time in the winter improving our equipment, you know, since That's we weren't cool. out testing. Yeah. Well, that terrarium, I mean, you know, t taking a look at it, you know, I was like, I, I, I was amazed by the build quality of the thing. And, you know, I was talking to Greg and I was like, Hey man, so what did you just like click add to cart on the cap it site, you know? Well, we built it here, but Greg says he can replicate it for like 1500 bucks or something like that. <laughs> along, along with warmers. Oh, uh, oh, and, and wheels too, right? With, uh, well, it takes 16 wheels. Okay. Because that, we get, got rid of our tire racks inside the trucks. So we made some room that way too. So it'll take 16 wheels and it'll take all the warmers and it'll heat it up with two generators. I think Greg might throw in the generators too for, for 1500 bucks. Yeah, but you got to enter a certain discount code or something. Yeah, right? it's called Screw Greg. <laughs> <laughs> that's a discount code. I'll give you his home number so you can always call. Yeah, just text him. Just text him. It'll be fine. Yeah, add to 15, cart. 1500 I think it was closer to like 15000 Yeah, dude. Super funny. <laughs> yeah, this hashtag, screw Greg. Oh, but man. Yeah, that thing worked out really, really well. It was pretty impressive. It, it The tires heated up quick, and they were really stable. And, and you know, we run TPMS on the bike, so you can kind of see what happens. A bad warm-up job on your on your tires will show up on the racetrack. Oh, really? Yeah, it takes a bunch of laps to recover from it too. If you don't overshoot the pressure target, so it's it's been kind of the latest thing we worked on all last season was trying to get a stable tire on the racetrack. So uh, in the morning, the first day, you had me take the boys out in the car to show them which way the yeah. track goes, and it seemed like they were just really concerned with. Uh, they weren't so concerned with the layout, really. They just wanted to make sure they knew which way the first corner was. They're like, yeah. okay, first corner's left. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. We went uh, counterclockwise, which is what the guys at Podium Club recommended. And those guys are freaking awesome. Yeah. I mean, they, they've been over backwards for us. The track's a really cool layout. Um, the guys, everyone there liked it. It was, uh, I mean, loved it, really. Yeah. Cameron had ridden for a while. He said he loved the place immediately. And, and uh, so did Jake. And then Bobby was there with Roland Sands. Yeah. Last minute edition. And uh, Bobby liked it too, which is like, apparently that's kind of rare coming out of Bobby's mouth. <laughs> so he actually liked yeah, it. Yeah, usually Bobby likes uh, shitty bumpy tracks, right? Like Brainerd or something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Bobby's like the Brainerd guy. Like, no, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. No, he was ecstatic. And, and the, the Roland and the, his boys were ecstatic. And, and yeah, that track, what, it's like a firing range with a track attached to it? It is Arizona, right? I mean, you know what? The, the I guess you could say the motorcycle guy at Podium Club, he scooped up myself and Roland Sands and took us out to this range not too far from the actual paddock. And yeah. you got you to gotta do some dirt road navigation to get there. But we roll up and there's like a berm. And a, a table set up with weapons sitting there, ready to rock and roll. And I was like, the desert. what? So, you know, we got to go and plink off some rounds, and it was a good time, man. Like, we all looked like heroes. He had those things sighted in perfect, so. Yeah, a little two two three going down range. That's never never a bad time. Yeah, there was a couple of different 9 millimeters, and then one five five six. Yep. Yeah, five five six, two two three, whatever. Almost same, same thing. thing exactly. yeah. yeah. It's yeah, funny. They're plink, a little plink, different, plink. though. Yeah, a little bit. Just a little bit different than a five five six, but not right. Not like not enough to write home to mom about. No. Right. So um it was pretty neat though. I mean, it's uh 
it kind of curved the being the computer guy and going to the, all the way to the racetrack and not riding, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We gave you something else to do, right? Perfect. Like your yep. day job. Hey, I was doing my day job. I, I did some conference call stuff and yeah. Fix some stuff. Fix a few things here yeah. and there. Yeah. Too bad you didn't do the, the, your, your day, your, your side job to start. Properly. Oh shut! Your, yeah, okay. Now, we didn't have timing I, and scoring, right? For the first session, you're you're calling me out on it. You had timing and scoring, however. You're the IT guy. Why all I, I did, all I did, was plug into their shit and and had it up and running, and we were getting times. The only thing was, yeah, the bikes didn't know where they were. Yeah, so your bikes. You know, first time you go by, it, it's your yeah. bike's lost, and you know, scrapped. Yeah, I mean, session. you know, luckily yeah. I, I got a real competent guy, Marshall, who can actually set the distances off off of Google Earth. There you go. Yeah. So bikes actually kind of knew where they were. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I earned that, dude. Like, I, I just ran in, grabbed our stuff, plugged it in, turned it on, boom, done. Like, it didn't even, I didn't even do anything with the computer. I literally just connected to ours and good. Done. Yeah. So now we know. And that's, uh, you know, <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> what did I call you? You're fucking lazy. <laughs> yeah. You called me something, but yeah, lazy was included in what you was included me. somewhere in there. <laughs> so I like I, I was like, shit, dude, Richard's gonna totally give me the one-way conversation. <laughs> it was about one sentence worth. And the thing is, like, you were giving me that one-way conversation when you already had to babysit a couple of a couple of three new guys. So I was like, Yeah, yeah, we had a little change up in crew, which is all good. You know, sometimes yeah. change is good. Yeah, uh Canfield. He uh, took a hiatus. I think yeah. by the end of the season, he was like Danny Glover at Lethal Weapon. You know, I'm getting too. He's old like, I'm this. too old for this shit. Yeah, yeah, totally. That, yeah. that was him, hundred percent. You know, he kept. Yeah, he's like, uh, he called me. I'm in. All right, send me the contract. Okay. Yeah, I'm working on the contract. He calls me back on December 24th, like Christmas Eve. He's like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, he had a back <laughs> thing or dad, something. I mean, right? His dad reached. I get it. His dad reached a hundred. He wanted to yeah. spend some more time with him, or he lied to me about all that stuff. But yeah, he had some back issues he wants to get taken care of. And no, I don't, I don't think he's lying about anything. But he's a great guy. I wish I, we had him had him for the season, but it is what yeah. it is. And then Will had some stuff too, right? He had some family stuff. Too, yeah, right? yeah. They all kind of uh piled on all at once. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that how it all good? Goes? You know, I mean, if the, the the most important thing with I mean I said three things to the guys that we brought on board is is the three things I don't I don't want on a team that's no assholes no smokers and no woke no woke exactly nope. <laughs> if you're woke that's like if, that's if it basic. says if it says they them on the resume that's automatic no they're out <laughs> sorry no corporate they them's here they're motorcycle racers right. Yeah, this sport's pretty conservative, you know. I mean, it's like you know, uh, maybe you know. I, I mean, mean, the effort that you put in is, you know, your results are a direct. Well, I, mean, I think any com any competitive sport where you, where one guy wins and there's a whole bunch of losers. Yeah, I think that tends to be fairly conservative, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. yeah like we don't really want a bunch of trophies. All of these series, they seem to kind of want to go that way. Right. You know, oh, let's make everything the same, and and oh, that crew's too smart, so we need to dumb them down, and. We need everyone to ride around like a parade. Well, this guy's uh, these guys are spending too much money. Everything goes gotta, gotta yeah, go back that's to stock. Boring woke nonsense. <laughs> go woke, go broke. That's what I tell the series. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. 
you know, since since uh, we've been out too, like, you know, I got my trailer burglarized and stuff and I got all my tools. But thanks to Ricky, Bobby, I got, a, you know, I got a whole bunch of boxos. Do they sell those at Harbor Freight? Oh, shut your whore mouth. <laughs> I'm going to punch you in the face when I see you. <laughs> we used Snap-on. They don't, even, they don't even sponsor us. <laughs> well, you guys use Snap-on because you guys use tools for a living i'm i'm the dum-dum that can barely like take off my own wheels like you know yeah. you've seen me use tools <laughs> yeah yeah you need a wrench to change your mind i get it something like that yeah <laughs> usually it's over the back of the head right it's like a swift it's all in the wrist i think you know like yeah right on okay so what what else were you guys testing other than just shaking the boys down well, that was, that was, that again, that's when, you, you know, when I worked with Kawasaki, there was this, this team manager, Mike Preston, he said, I, I, I said, dude, why are we going to Fontana six freaking times? You know, like it seemed like every other week we we're going to Fontana. He goes, it's not always for, just, <coughs> for bike development. I go, can't, what are we going to develop there? You know, and it's like, right. it's not about bike development. It's keeping the guys, the riders, one with the motorcycles, keeping the mechanics, uh, hands on the motorcycles they get better and better at their job so when they get the nationals it's basically like another test for us and it always seems that way we'll do five or five or so tests before the season even starts and by the time we get to the first round everything is like you know you test when you test you're on track like every half hour right you know, yeah you know, you're busy the whole day and you go you yeah. get the nationals it's like a vacation you get on <laughs> two or three times a, a day max and you have hours in between it's super chill at the races if you're switched on you know what you're doing right you know you have all your stuff ready so i mean that's part of racing is racing at the shop as well race all winter long race before you get the track race you get the racetrack race home and do it all over again yeah you know, so that that's a that was one of the main things too that's why we, we like to have a november and possibly an like october november style test like a couple in there but we didn't get a chance to do that so every, no one had their hands on the bike Bikes, and then we had you know Robbie Jensen came on board. He was with Westby last year, and also he, known as uh, Not Bob or No Bob, right? Yeah. So so Robbie, you know, I've been calling him Robbie. His name's Robert Jensen, and probably a lot of people know him from his racing. Right. He was like the the uh, the bounty hunter. Yeah. He would have he would have a numerous motorcycles of his own builds. He would do all the maintenance for the most part, and he would go out and get tens of thousands of dollars every track that had had contingency, and he. would Pop them in the van and go another place. Van. Or I hear something. he. I hear he owned uh, Brainerd for a while. You know. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, Maybe. I guess he was a Brainerd guy. I guess, and he would go and oh. just murder people every round. You yeah, know? I, I just remember him coming to a couple of nationals, but he definitely cleaned up at the at the club or or uh, uh, regional level. He cleaned right. up. So anyway, so uh, yeah, we took him back. Uh, took him on board from West Beach. West Beach folded. So that was opportunity there so we snatched him up pretty quick and he's a really good dude uh hard worker and uh, i asked him i said do you like to be called robbie do you like to be called robert do you like to be called rob he goes you can call me whatever you want just don't call me bob so i start calling him no bob yeah well the thing is like asking you to not call him bob is like telling him to call you bob <laughs> yeah throw gasoline on the bob <laughs> Right? It's, like, no does he bob. not realize that it's you? Like, <laughs> yeah, I call him no bob all day long. So, 
I think I'm going to chill on that because yeah, I get under skin one day if I hit me with a wrench or something. <laughs> he looks like he could knock somebody out too. I was like, shit. Dude. Yeah, he's pretty serious. You yeah. know, he also got a good sense of humor. So it's, it's all good, you know. So definitely uh, no smoker, no asshole, yeah. no woke. Yeah, I, mean, uh, I, I, I had the then we had camera. We had Evan from Evan Steele. Yeah, you borrowed him yeah, from. You borrowed uh, him. Well, he's an hour down the road, so it made a okay. lot of sense. You know, because they're over there in uh, Tucson. Yeah. Stop and uh, yeah. So, uh, um, yeah. Uh, so he's he, he's a good dude and he's yeah. a good mechanic. I mean, he's he's uh, pretty loyal to Melissa Paris, who's who's uh, I think he's working on her team next year. Yeah. And so uh, yeah, if her team didn't exist, then we'd probably snatch him up too. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say you, he was on loan from Melissa's team, but he was kind of on loan from his own shop. Shop, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. E- ESP, really right? Good sense of humor. I kept calling him Phil. Uh, dude, I called him Phil too. Well, I mean, those guys. Because I fucking know him and Phil. Phil. Yeah. But then I told him I said I used to date this girl in high school. Her name was Evan. With an I. <laughs> I said I have a hard time calling him Evan. He goes, no way. Somebody else was called Evan. I go, yeah, but with an I. This is E V A. A-N and hers is E-V-I-N, you know? I said, uh, yeah, I see you with that beard and those, you know, all that stuff. I said, I have a hard time calling you Evan. Yeah, you're so doing the math on it. It's not working out. <laughs> What's that? I said you were doing the math on that. It wasn't adding up. Yeah, just the visual didn't add up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the other guy. Yeah, that other guy. Yeah. Eric. <laughs> I think he's Eric on. I, I think he's on here somewhere. Probably somewhere in there, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he, but yeah, he did a good job. Um, a little, a little bit of fish out of water. He's only been, I think, doing the nationals for a couple of seasons, but I think he's going to catch on pretty quick. I wanted to chat with him last couple of days, but man, the shop's been super busy. We get, we have yeah. a new five axis CNC that came in and, and, uh, the, the guys were here, the, the, the Oz guys were here setting it up the last couple of days. And, and so a little supervision there, they ate up some of my time, but, but, uh, yeah, so it's all good. Yeah. I got to chat with him and, and uh talk to him a bit and uh see if we can make this thing go forward right on right on yeah, yeah I mean, the team seemed busy man you guys were always doing something every time i went over there you guys were doing something oh man a lot that of was... tires a lot of tires yeah well we tested tires for dunlop right yeah so we you know it was kind of a perfect fit because we didn't want to change a lot on the bikes since the riders were still kind of getting their groove back and we had some new hands in there so we didn't want to just start throwing a bunch of changes to the motorcycle oh try this try that whatever so the test plan was basically test the mechanics test the riders same motorcycles and test some tires yeah so dunlop kind of made out because they got a 3b test for their japanese stuff that they they had a, a guy from japan gave yeah. him a nickname too so when oh, I saw yeah? him, he had a japanese name i can't remember can't remember all the japanese names you know yeah. It was something song, you know, like a Suji song or something like that, you know. And uh, so I said, you don't have an American nickname? He goes, oh, no. I said, okay, I'll call you Nick. Nick, nickname. okay. Yeah, I was so, going to call him Steve, but. Yeah, so, so I think Rummel was calling him Nick. So I don't know if they made that up at the, at the moment or I made it up or whatever, but it's kind of funny at the end, he was, we were all, everyone was calling him Nick. Even Corndog was like, hey, yeah, I talked to Nick for a minute. I go, that's not his name. <laughs> Yeah, I'm getting asked like what kind of lap times that the boys were putting down, and we'll we'll get to that in a little bit, bearded yeah. Jixer. We'll get to that in a little bit. But I just um, think we broke the track record by quite a bit. By, yeah, like it quite a bit faster than uh, bearded Jixer may have been at the last CRA round last year, and uh, yeah, 
you know, well, in all fairness, I think if the nationals came there, we'd be going another second faster than that. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And, and, and uh, quite frankly, Bobby was going faster than all the 600 guys at CRA too. Bobby was moving on that thing. Oh, dude. That Indian. He did was you throwing that thing around like a toy? Did you catch, you know, weighs 600 pounds. Did you catch the sound of that thing when he was barking the rear tire going in turn one every lap? Uh, no, I was probably like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it probably has a lot of engine braking. Uh, something, yeah. I mean, he you could he, smell the tire. You know what it was? I think he said he's got to use the crap out of the rear brake because the thing won't stop. Yeah, he did. He did. So he's barking that. the rear tire. Oh, we, yeah, we can talk about rear brakes and coefficient of friction and all that stuff in a minute. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I can give you some examples of when too much is too much. Okay, yeah, all right, yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit. I'm uh, I'm all right with that, but yeah, it's uh the this the pace was what it was, and the tires that you guys were testing, you you said they were Japanese tires, and you can well, kind of you can kind of tell they were different because they were super shiny, like way shinier than the stuff. Oh, well, the, yeah, the, the old school English tires, were, <laughs> those Entex we're getting from I think back in the day that they, they were called UK tires. Yeah, and those things sometimes had a shiny mold. So the shiny mold's been around for a while, or whatever they do to make those things shiny. But yeah, the, the, the shiny tires have been around for a bit. Yeah. Back in the day. And then they went back to dull tires, went to Buffalo tires. And, and uh, honestly, I think the, the tire, the front tire we're using uh, currently is performs better than the Japanese fronts. They did have some rears that were pretty good. Right. And then there was another, the tire that we started with, which was, we call it the 118. It has some other spec on it. I can't remember what it has the E and some numbers on it. Um, that one was was the best one, and that one they could possibly bring to Motor America. It was the same size as the tires we were currently running. Yeah, that one was worth a lap time. It was consistent and it kept on going. I mean, as a matter of fact, it, I mean, Jake did a bunch of laps around the same tenth, yeah. and then afterwards we took it off Jake's bike and put it on Cameron's bike, and he said it was still amazing after he right. said. But that yeah. one, I think, is that one I think can do some damage around all the racetracks. We have one more we're going to take. They only gave us two of those. And uh, Jake Jake burned one up. And we'll try another one at Buttonwill, a low-grip track. Okay. see if it performs the same, if it's got the same jump. But it was a significant jump, like a qualifier-type jump, or really? better. Was that the tire? Like, I was talking we've to used, we've, used, we've used technically what they call qualifiers, R0s, and most of the time, they're not worth anything. Right. You know, sometimes they're worth something, but some, a lot of times they're not worth anything. Hmm. But this one was worth something. I mean, both guys really liked it. So hopefully they'll bring it on online soon. A lot, a lot of, a lot of records to be smashed with that thing. Well, I was talking to Corn Dog a little bit, and he was saying something about a tire that was like, uh, "Does this make sense?" Like uh, U.S. construction of the tire with yeah. Japanese rubber on it. Yeah, Japanese compound. Yeah, that might have been that one eighteen. I don't know exactly. Tony would be able to elaborate on. I was just trying to keep the the wheels the wheels on the on the uh, cart going you know yeah and while we were there you know the first day tony and i were talking about the go show stuff and you know he was sharing some crazy stories and then go over passing away yeah and then the second day we were there the news came out that go show had passed and um man i tell you what tony had the best stories about go show man yeah you worked with him right yeah and i think he worked with him at both yamaha and at muzzy 
Yeah, you're right. Because Tony was with yeah. Mundy in, in Oregon. I don't yeah. know if he was with him in in, uh, in in the desert up here, high desert, but uh, I thought he was with him in Oregon. Yeah, he and, was. And yeah, 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 I know. He worked with him then. Guy was a, a bunch of talent, just a, you know, unfortunately, just a waste of, of life in the way he treated himself. Yeah, I mean, especially uh, after uh, after he stopped racing, right? After he stopped racing, he just spiraled, you know. Well, he was already spiraling. Oh, I mean, he was legend though, yeah. right? He was like the he was the champion of partying, right? He, he showed up to he showed up to New Hampshire, you know, Loudon. Hadn't seen the track, showed up late, a day late, you know, Vance that was the Vance Science Ducati team at the time. Yeah. Didn't ever look at the track, didn't play video games, didn't do anything. You know, probably hung over, hopped on the bike, and straight to straight to qualifying, got pulled. Like he, the rumor has it that he showed up five minutes before qualifying. Oh, I'm sure. And Smell then like something. Yeah, and then he goes out and sets pole and breaks the lap record and wins. Yeah. What? You know, I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. I mean, that, that dude's life spiraled into shit for sure. But you hear about these guys that are like that, that bunch of talent, <laughs> you know, mainly actors and stuff like that. That yeah, they just go down the wrong path, and that's that. You know, they yeah. Can't yeah, so I luckily mean, I'm not rich or talented. I have to work hard <laughs> at everything I do. <laughs> You're right here, man. Yeah, whatever. I have to work extra hard because I'm like not super smart either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, talking to Tony, he had the uh, he had probably if anybody runs into Tony, you got to have him do an impression of Go Show's mom because, dude. He's got the Aussie accent down perfect. And yeah, <laughs> it was pretty great. So yeah, it was pretty sad hearing about Tony that. Romo from Dunlop. Yes. Yeah. Tony Romo from Dunlop. Yeah. He's, he's definitely got the Aussie accent down, you know, like Declan Van Rosslyn would be, he probably does a better Aussie than Declan does. Well, Declan's basically an American. Yeah. He's an American. You know, his dad, though, his dad's yeah, proper, proper Aussie. Yeah. Yeah. But he, his dad, proper Aussie without the drinking problem. Right. So, Actually, but how cool was the track and the weather and stuff over the track? Man, was it, did we get luck out or what? It was, dude, we sure did. You know, yeah. I mean, it was cold in the morning. It was really brisk. I hate the high desert, but I, I liked yeah. it when the sun came up. Yeah. Yeah, when the sun came up, it was nice. But I mean, usually we're either fighting off weather in the early February uh, tests, you know, at Butler yeah, or yeah. the or the uh, the tumbleweed bombs that we get. So, yeah, but there was, I mean, it was zero rain, zero wind, and the track was pretty clean. Yeah, you know, and the grip was good, and we were able to get a lot of tire tire testing in, which was good for Dunlop, and yeah, it'll help us out in the long run as far as the type of rubber we're using. Yeah, you know, so we, I think we gave those guys some good good feedback, and they can take it back to Japan, and then maybe get a better collaboration between Japan and the U.S. Who knows? Right. You know, who knows what it'll lead to? But definitely a couple of those tires, we got some good info off of, and and those guys can use that info to make something better. We'll see. Yeah. So you know, let's get back to the the pace of the test. You know, a bunch of questions here. There's some people saying that they thought that Gagne had turned to 27. Um, he turned a few 27s, if I'm not mistaken. No, um, I think or, or was it just, a, of, are you going to talk about lap times? 
Yeah, it was like what, I think 20, there was a lot of twenty eight flats, twenty eight ones, stuff like yeah. that. And they did different the twenty sevens. Right, right. I, I didn't look at all the lap times for the for the two days, but I, yeah. I did it's twenty seven in there. Yeah, the twenty seven seven I think was the yeah that's, that's right. And Bearded Jicks is pointing out that Wyatt Ferris set the record last year at CRA at a twenty nine something. So yeah, I heard that. It, uh, and uh, what's his name? Uh, <coughs> Bryce Prince. I think he was yeah. testing. I think he ran some some of the Dunlop tires that we were on, or something yeah. like that. And I think he did some twenty nine three or something like that, maybe something like that. So yeah. I, I think we're about a second and a half under under whatever happened. But you would expect that. Yeah, you would expect that. Like I said, I think if we went back and and that and uh, John and Aubrey, the uh, the track manager, right, he, he gave us a little bit of uh, insight that they've been talking to Motor America about having a national there. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that would be really cool. But if, if that happened, I said, what, next year or the year after? Because they still have some facility to put up, and they got a few things yeah. to do. Like, I, I think they'd have to make the, uh, the, the, the paddock area bigger. Right. You know, they have, might have to extend it out into that rifle range, you know? I mean, they're still doing phases. I mean, where we drove, you know, the a lot of racetracks have the dirt parking, right? So... Yeah, well, had yeah, plenty but, of that out there. But. No, flat. Uh, the concrete area was good. You know, the asphalt area where, where right. the semi was, and all that was great. And the track tracks bitching. I think they they need to get you know obviously some bathrooms and things like that going. And so they have some facility work to do, but I think that's coming. And uh, man, that'd be really great if you do a, a national another national on the on oh, the west dude. coast. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they used to do stuff in Arizona at, at what Firebird back in the day, right? That was like a go kart track. Oh, a Firebird track was awful. Fire, I raced Firebird, you know, and and it was awful. Yeah, it was just a little tiny, tiny track and with a long straightaway down the drag. Yeah. Go kart track attached to a drag strip. Like I said, yeah, a lot of zigzags on the other side of it, and right. it, it wasn't great for a leader bike, without a doubt. You know, if you had a little right. little tiny bike. You'd be better, except for down that long straightaway, and the straightaway yeah. led into a fence. Well, there was no naturally. runoff. Yeah, so they put a chicane. Well, back in the day, they didn't need runoff. No, that was the same. Back when men were men, you know. Oh, you go coming out, come down around that tower, you go straight into a fence, and they end up making that little parking lot turn before you get to the fence. Right. I mean, fiber the same thing. You'd come onto the the staging lanes, you do a big carousel turn, and you'd head towards. The wall where the drag strip was, and you'd point right at an unprotected wall. Wow, so man! Slide the rear tire all the way to the wall. They have a AMA national there, Jamie James and yeah, all those guys. It was crazy. I think uh, Predmar busted a leg there. Uh, I don't know. I know Fred Merkel ended his career there. <coughs> yeah, he was riding the Yosh bike at the time. He crashed. I think I don't know if he got into one of the walls or not, but he, I think he broke his arm pretty bad, and that was the end of his career. Yeah, I was signed up to a, a Jason's dad's school in at the end of the in the late nineties. Yeah, and uh, Jason was still instructing for his dad, and I guess he, at the weekend before, he crashed at Firebird and busted his leg, so he couldn't make the school. So, I why I remember that, I have no idea because I have no memory of anything. But yeah, you're definitely not Gregopedia, Greg White. No, 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 but. I remembered that, so that's something kind of, yeah. maybe, right? Yeah, a couple of things we tried. We we're, we're going to go back on the six. We're trying. We're going to try a new IMU. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's that thing that Walker had the 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 soldering iron out for, right? I mean, they don't solder anything or whatever it was. He had the big old, you know. He's like the he's got yeah, the he's, yeah. yeah, changing some of the CAN bus terminals around, but that that deal there, this guy here has got two CAN buses, and it's got uh, you know redundant all redundant sensors in it, and that's part of the new kit for Yamaha. It's been actually part of the kit for a couple of years now. And uh, but we just have we're, our stuff is pretty reliable, so we didn't bother changing it. Now we're going to see if we can upgrade to this and and we get a little more accurate lean angle and wheelie wheelie stuff, you know, wheelie uh, condition. Right. And we have we had some new software we introduced to uh, Yamaha Europe used it all last year for World Superbike, and uh, so we're going to give that a go and see if we can make heads or tails of the settings. You know, one of the things I noticed about your guys' bike, now that you're saying that, like, I don't know what you guys have changed electronically, but it used to be when the bikes would go down the straightaway, you'd hear it kind of cracking and popping and stuff, you know, doing the electronic thing down the straight. And now you don't really hear that so much. The thing sounds like it's just like a solid vroom, if you will. Yeah, it has a thing called TRM now, because before it used to be all cut or retard, right? And we used to use cut quite a bit. So you hear that popping and banging more. Yeah. And now they they introduced TRM uh, a couple of years ago or last year, maybe a year before, I don't remember. Marshall could tell you exactly. And uh, no, actually it was, uh, yeah, the uh, year that Heron rode our bike. Mm. We started using a Brainer that year. And uh, so I was 22. And what it does is it uh, it flutters the butterfly. I could show you some of it, you know, and that, that acts. Yeah, it, it 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 just turns the 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 butterfly back and forth to try to reduce torque and add torque. And uh, if you listen to some of the old old Formula One cars, you'll hear the guys like smacking the throttle sometimes in the middle of the corner. Nigel Mansell would do that. Yeah, yeah, off on off on off on the throttle. You're like, wow, that's not too smooth. But they were fighting for grip, and that's kind of what this thing does. So you don't really hear it because the because the throttle is kind of doing the action, and it's a lot less cut. We do have cut still. And, and so that's something like the riders can feel and hear, but right, uh, right. for the most part, it's it's working the throttle plate on its own. So you'll see a, you know, the guy will go full throttle, but you'll in the, in the data graph, you'll see a throttle plate moving, you know, good 20, 30 percent. And does it does it doing it that way um, help with this mile an hour down the straight? That that came on later with uh, managing the wheelie control, some of the other cuts better. Okay. So we we've been working on that, and the software they 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 uh, passed on to us has a little bit wheelie control parameters as well. So it gives you a little better options as far as when to have the wheelie control come on and how much to cut. Because all this stuff, I mean, electronics. Uh, a lot of times you're trying to bandage what the chassis guy was too lazy to fix. <laughs> you know. Right. Right. And uh, and sometimes the rider has to bandage what the electronics guy was too lazy to fix. Oh, yeah. So so you start with a with a bike there and try to make a really good chassis. And then you layer on top of that the rider aids. Right. And then on top of that, the rider gets a chance to go out and get used to it all. OK. You know, so, yeah, give it full throttle. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. You know, so that's part of the part of the challenge of the rider mentally, cause especially if they're out riding a bike that doesn't have any electronic aids at all. Okay. But what that what that also does is when you have a, when you have these tools, it I think it tightens up the race and people think, oh well it makes some people 
uh, unfair advantage or whatever. But I think it tightens it up because if you get rid of all the tools and the guys have to use all the normal tools they have, which is the throttle and the rear brake and things like that, it spreads the, the skill level even more. So the guys that have really high skills can excel. And the guys that are more, uh, let's say talent, let's, let's, let's rephrase yeah. it. The guys that have a lot of talent can excel straight away. Yeah. The guys that need some learned skill takes them longer to, to bridge that gap. Yeah. Whenever you get to a new racetrack or, you, or you, the first session, you'll see some guys just punch out real quick. Yeah. They get to it real quick. And the other guys that take all weekend long to get there. Right. You know, especially on some of the classes that don't have these types of rider aids. Right. Or bikes that don't have the type of rider aids. I mean, most of the bikes come with them now anyway. You know, cars yeah. come with all kinds of aids, all the bikes, the Beamer, the Ducati, all that stuff has it. It's all in the back end. But uh, what, what they don't have is a lot of them don't have sectoring. So sectoring means that you can, the, the data guy can go in and adjust from corner to corner. And you can, you can pull, tell it, okay, this corner is one sector, that next corner is another sector, that corner is another sector. And that's what Marshall does pretty much the whole time with, with the, that's all, that's his only job. Is, yeah. He's in there and, you know, he's in there squiggly the lining. Yeah. And work on the strategies because it, it just makes it that much easier on our guys to get that lap time. Right. And it, it, if you, if you notice like how many guys have ridden our bikes now in 2018, right? Several. They've all been on the podium. I mean, they hop on they get on the podium fairly quickly with the exception of Hayes, who I think I'm, Sure, he would be on the podium if he wasn't riding that 600 the same weekend. Right. You know, I mean, it was a lot of work to expect that both those classes. And right. if he would have gone any further in the season, you know, instead of using JD, let's say we stuck with Hayes and he didn't have the 600, you know, the R6. Right. I think he would be on the podium every weekend pretty much. Right. And why? Did, how is that possible? Well, if you make the bike friendly, then it almost the level of the rider gets gets leveled out between all all the various riders we had and their style you know like jd hopped on our bike and he won in the wet or semi-wet and he was on the podium in the dry you know so all these things help help uh riders of different caliber different skill different levels be somewhat equal and i think that some of the sanctioning bodies don't understand that yeah i think we need, we need people a bit smarter on the back end of the bike and and that'll help the the series as far as competitiveness goes if you make it so I think of it the other way. If you make it all, <laughs> no rider aids, like Moto2, then only the guys are going to be at that top level, which there's a lot of them in Moto2. Right. You know, they're all very, very close in rider talent. Right. In Moto America, Superbike, it'd be maybe you maybe one or two guys at the front and everyone else battling for everything else, right? Yeah. It, you take away a, a, a number of front runners. Right. You know, um, and unfortunately, I think, our series isn't quite switched on to get the bikes to where they were closer together. Right. You know, um, but I don't think getting rid of the ride, if you took all the rider aids away from that BMW, it'd be unrideable. Yeah. You know, and only so many people would be able to ride it because they would have, they'd be pushing on the rear brake where it's necessary and not using it where it's not necessary and using that for the torque control, you know, but instead of, uh, you know, some people say, Oh, I, I heard these two dummies, from Motor America doing an interview, you know, and they were talking about how Richard hates rear brakes. Well, you, you hate no the rear brake. What's that? You hate the rear brake. I mean, that's why you take the lever away. Duh. Yeah. yeah. Duh. Yeah. They have no idea what they're talking about. They don't have a, a freaking clue of what they're talking about. They don't know what I hate. Don't hate. 
are you surprised? I lies, and I hate, I hate misinformation, you know? So yeah. that's what I really hate. And when people make up that kind of stuff, it's really weird, but whatever, there's two kinds of brakes on a bike. There's a friction brake and then there's the engine brake. And MotoGP uses the engine brake a couple of ways. They use it with the throttle plate closing and they use it with an exhaust valve, like a, like a, a Jake brake on a semi truck, right? So all that causes, causes a, a torque in the, in the engine and that slows the wheel down. Right. We choose because it's more reliable to use more of the engine brake than the friction brake, which the rider can use because the electronics are more reliable than the riders. And electronics, we can pinpoint exactly where we could apply the brake. Now, there are some areas where you can use the rear brake, and that's why we've gone to a finger brake and got rid of the foot brake altogether. Because let's face it, if you were that that precise with your foot, you'd be eating with your, with your foot. You know, you'd be like a monkey. You'd be doing surgery with your foot. I mean, that'd but be you use, you use your fingers for a reason because they're super precise, right? Right. So we prefer the finger brake and just, we just hope our riders eventually get around to use that precisely, you know, but we, it's just logic. And that's why they use it in MotoGP and Moto2. Everyone's got a thumb or finger brake. They might use it in conjunction with a foot brake, you know, in Moto2, they don't really have a, much of way of strategies. So those guys have to use the rear brake. If we're racing Moto2, we'd for sure be, be using the friction brake a lot. And we'd be working with the rider to make sure that he's applying it properly everywhere. But well, we also, also in the right-hand corners, they have their foot off the inside of the bike anyway. Well, they... there's a couple things, right? So, <laughs> um, I watched a, um, an episode with Sylvan Gindley. He won the, um, he was a MotoGP he was a test rider for Suzuki. Uh, that's Gindley. And I, I don't know if I pronounced his name right. Some people call him Gintoli, you know, right. but uh, uh, he, he does some episodes on MotoGP or, or World Superbike, why the riders do what they do. And one of them was on rear brake. I think everyone should watch that. Yeah. He talks about when when and where to use the rear brake, why the riders use it. They talk, He talked about the leg dangle, which you can't use the rear brake if you got a foot brake and do a leg dangle at the same time. Right. You can't do it for a, for a minute before you're, I mean, for a second or less than a second, a few tenths of a second before you pull your foot off the peg to do the leg dangle. He talks about why the leg dangle is important. I mean, he, he goes into a lot of detail, which I was, I was impressed by his presentation. You know, I think everyone needs to watch that. that you know what? I will share a link to that in the YouTube. Yeah, I mean, I'm not later. I don't even know the guy, but he made yeah. sense to me, you know? Right. And he, and he talks about when he used the rear brake on the MotoGP bike. And he talked about how some guys like to use the rear brake on acceleration. And to me, if, if your data guy is that lame to where you can't control the torque of your engine on acceleration, then maybe you should get a new data guy. Oh, wow. You know, because our data guy does a good job and he can control the torque of the acceleration. So we don't have to use the rear brake to slow the bike down on acceleration. And I mean, think about it logically, right? You're trying to go forward. And at the same time, you're trying to stop the bike. And there's, there, and there's a number of things that happen with that in, in, the, in, the, in the chain load. And we, I don't want to get into all the physics of the, of the motorcycle. Right. There's a lot of things that aren't really great for traction when you're trying to stop the bike from accelerating with the rear brake. And that's one of the main reasons we try to use the rear brake in the proper areas. And using a finger brake allows you to use it in both directions. Wow. So yeah, I mean, there, there's been a lot of chatter you know, on the like internet. Guy, oh, Richard hates the rear brake. He took the brake off the bike, blah, blah, blah. They, right. They're morons. You know, that's all there is to it. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I, I just posted a link in the comments section to the video that you're talking about. Yeah, he and... does another one of leg dangle, which is pretty good too. And he talks about how, how he changes the center of gravity of the bike by putting his leg out and behind him and how it, it helps with his leverage on the MotoGP bike that's stopping so hard with the carbon-carbon brakes. It's kind of funny when some of the kids do it on the little bikes, but, you know, it might help a little bit with some of the stuff he does. I mean, there's... There's stuff like uh, air braking. You know, you get your leg out there and it helps you stop with the wind, pushes back on your body a little bit, gives you a little better leverage. It's like balancing your foot. Uh, it's like trying to balance yourself on a, on a foot and put your leg back. Uh, you could, you could, you could, you'll mass a little further back. So it helps you with the, with your, with the amount of load on your hands. There's a lot of stuff like that. Plus it looks really cool on the internet. Yeah. You know, but it's, it's really hard to get riders to do it when they're hanging off for dear life by squeezing their knees against the tank. Right. You know, so they, 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 they squash the tank and they can't get that leg out. You know, so it's, it's a technique. I think it's not for everyone, but if you're trying to find that last little bit, you know, MotoGP, everyone does it when they can, because they're looking for that little tiny, tiny fractions of a second in every corner. And, and, it, and that helps along with the rear brake use. They're looking for tiny, tiny little fractions and, and then that Sylvain goes into how the MotoGP bike is different as far as the amount of friction it can produce with the rear tire, where we don't have the same amount of grip. Yeah. So we don't have that same option. Like I say, if 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 you're have if you're trying to if someone gets on and says, Oh man, my bike is so powerful, I have to smash the rear brake on going a straight line, think it'll loop over backwards or it'll wheelie too much, their data guy sucks. Right. You know, that's all I gotta say. Dude, I think you don't even have to have a data guy get their job right. You don't even have like if you're a if you're a club racer guy. I mean, dude, like the kit electronics stuff, you could you could make changes to make that so it calms it down, right? Well, we we talked about that when we were talking about your bike, right? The the YEC electronics, right? And sorry, yeah. I'm a little so, sick. So. so all the torque control, the YEC electronics do. It's in every bike, you right? Know, you have to get to the settings and and fix it. The difference in in World Series bike and MotoGP is they have sectoring, so we can control. Uh, exactly how much force we could put on the rear tire going to every single corner. Right. Right. And then we can we can control from, from the initial throttle chop all the way to the apex. Now, sometimes there there are situations where the the track is changing conditions. Right. And we can't apply the same amount of force. Like for instance, that weird weird race that we did in New Jersey, the second race, right? The track was pretty dry, but there was some big flooded patches. So you couldn't run, you couldn't run slicks. You had to run right. reins. And the reins are squishy and moving around. JD used a lot of rear brake in that race for the finger brake. He, he, he liked it. And he used quite a bit of rear brake to control the bike with, on conditions where you would go over a, a patch of water. But if that track was perfectly smooth and dry, you know, uh, if, if it wasn't wheeling over that wheelie bump, he would probably hardly ever touch it. As a matter of fact, I have the data from it. He hardly touched it. And if he was using the, the brake quite a bit going over that little wheelie area, then Marshall would adjust the torque going over that wheelie area. Or we'd right. have the cut so you can keep it pinned and ride right over that thing or be fairly smooth and throttle off, throttle on. So you wouldn't right. have to try to smash the rear brake to stop the motorcycle to get over that thing. Because yeah. every time you, you put in that, that amount of energy loss, it's hard to get it back. It takes a while the bike to wind up again so there's, right. there's there's areas where you can use it there's areas where you don't need it and it depends on the type of motorcycle you're using the motorcycle is fairly primitive it doesn't have a lot of control then you're gonna have to use it more often 
Hmm. Yeah, and, and does it, you know, like I was telling you earlier, you know, I use the rear brake a ton when I'm two up. Yeah, so if you, like, put a, if you put a passenger on your superbike, you might have to use it a ton. There you go. Yeah. New new class of Motor America two up superbike. That's coming after baggers. Oh, two up baggers. Two up baggers. Yeah, that's yeah. the new two. That's the new two hundred, right? Combined weight in case the person on the back is pretty heavy. Well, you know that you got to have the person to run into Bucky's at Daytona, grab the twelve well, pack. Like I, was, I think I, I think they should have you know a gas station stop, and the guy's got to run in and he has to spend like you know twenty four dollars exactly on diapers, up in his bag, right? Fill up his tank. That'd be like the bagger endurance race. Oh my god! All the while, somebody's wiping the you know the giant windshield <laughs> off. Yes, <laughs> cleaning off the headlights. Right, the oh, headlight yeah. stickers. Yeah, they do sound kind of cool though, like you know the engine drone, the two cylinder stuff. <clears throat> it sounds like it spins up faster than it used to. I was telling Bobby I think that they're pretty strong. They're just heavy. Yeah, really tall. Yeah, I mean, I talked to that Cameron dude that's part of that team that. Cameron Brewer. Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, he was telling me I can't remember what the figure Jones, was. Jones company. But it was a lot. Like the the power that they're making out of those things is pretty crazy. Oh, I'm sure they're big. Yeah, it's but, like I don't know, 160 something. I believe it. They sound crazy. like it. They look like yeah. a movie. You know, and uh, yeah, and and Roland. I mean, I told Roland. I said, man, I go. I haven't talked to you since you were on a 250. You know, other than seeing you grow up. And I said, just amazing to me when I, when he was when he was in the parking lot in AMA National doing donuts on his pit bike, you know, I go, that guy's going to be the biggest loser ever. <laughs> <laughs> He's far from it, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I told him that. It was kind of, kind of funny. Yeah. Did you see the comment? Somebody said, two up baggers. It's my new t-shirt. <laughs> yes, two up bagger. You need one for your for track days. <laughs> oh, man. Like, I, I actually, I have a shirt I'll talk, I'll, I'll, I'll pull it up later, but yeah, I've got a, I've got a shirt that I'm kind of working on that we're going to start selling maybe, um, in the near future. And, um, I don't know, I'll, I'll share it in a little bit, but, uh, let's get to some of the comments, man. Um, yeah, answer some questions. Are you yapping too much? Yeah, no worries. Okay. So a lot of lap time stuff. Um, let's yeah, see uh, you know, lap time stuff, uh, Cameron was pretty freaking quick for his hand is still healing, you know, so he couldn't do a bunch of laps. Yeah. Which is, and we're going to have to make a decision on Daytona pretty soon whether yeah. he's do 57 laps in a row or not. But I mean, he, he didn't lose any speed at all taking that break. Yeah. He, he was within, I think he finished on the same rubber. He finished within three tenths of Jake, I do believe. Yeah, he did. Pretty good for yeah. taking six months off. Yeah. He was, uh, you know, like I, I think I told you in the car, he was, we were rolling around and he was, he was visibly nervous and oh, yeah. I'd, I'd never seen him nervous like that. But then he spent a day riding the next day. I talked to him and he's like, oh yeah, I know where I'm at now. We're good. Well, I think he was <laughs> concerned about how slow you'd be. I, I mean, I, I watched part of the interview with those dummies and he was saying, well, if I'm three seconds off then I'll know that I'm going to get there eventually. I'm like, Three seconds. Three seconds off. Are you kidding me? Now wow. he's with three tenths off. It's more like it. Right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, we we didn't put any pressure on him. Yeah. You know, I just said, just go ride the motorcycle. Just have some fun. We're gonna throw some tires at it. 
ride as long as he can, which wasn't a lot. But, uh, I mean, he's, he was able to he, do the lap times without a doubt. He told me he wasn't even concerned with lap times at all. He's like, dude, I just want to see if I remember how to ride a motorcycle. Like, it was and like, we yeah. didn't put any lap time pressure on him. We didn't, I mean, other than he knew what his lap times were. I'm, I'm sure he chats with Jake in the truck. Yeah. And, and so, you know, he knew where Jake was at. Right. And one time we switched motorcycles too. And I think Jake liked Cameron's bike just a tick better on acceleration. Well, it's because the grips, that, were, the grips well. were thinner, right? They're, What's that? The grips were thicker or something, right? Or No. Oh, wait. No, this isn't that team. No, no this is another guy. Something about the seat height or something, right? There, he liked the seat. No, yeah. You know what? He had, he had, uh, the, the bike went to a show and it was gone, Jake's bike, for like two months. So they went to Wall of Champions in Georgia. Then it went to the LA, LA show. And, and uh, we were trying to put on the, the best bodywork we had to make it all shiny and bitching. And there yeah. was a spare seat that uh, Lee had made up for uh, Hayes. It was clean and brand new. We put that on, but we brain farted get ready to go. We didn't take that seat off. Oh. With Jake's seat on. Had just an extra little eight millimeters of pad underneath it because Hayes likes to be pushed forward. Right. And Jake hated that seat. But he didn't realize why he hated it until he rode. <laughs> He's maybe a strong word. He, just, he never says hate. He said, uh, no. I like that seat better. Right. Yeah, he, he liked Cameron's seat better, which is the exact same seat he was using before. Right. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Know, a guy at that level, a little eight millimeter pad can make all the difference, you know? Right. Yeah. His lap times were still fast. He just wasn't comfortable on it. As yeah. Comfortable. Crazy fast, faster than anybody's ever gone at Podium Club before, and he doesn't like his seat. And, he, you know, yeah. Well, Cameron was still over a second. <laughs> I mean, he was a second under the track record as well, but it wasn't yeah. on special tires. We used the R8. That's what we did his fastest lap on. Oh, wow. You know, the hardest tire Dunlop makes. So it, you know, it's a good track, you know, really nice, really nice track. So, um, yeah, there's somebody, somebody was asking, I'll have to look, I'll have to find it, but somebody asked what, what we thought of podium club as far as the layout, is it questioning whether or not it's a good track for testing? I think that we'll use button willow and podium club because before we used to say button willow is really great for testing because it's a low grip bumpy track. And it has a lot of features that are similar to the rest of the tracks we go to. But now, uh, with Laguna being repaved, Road, Road America being repaved, a number of tracks being repaved, we needed more time with the, with the hard tires. So the hard tires kind of caught us out at a couple of those racetracks because right. we, bikes weren't, they were always set up for high acceleration, uh, low grip. So we produce grip, we spin the rear tire, all that. When we got to high grip tracks, our bikes were now pushing the front tire. Huh. You know, because they had so much grip. We couldn't turn the bike with the rear and do all that stuff like the Laguna. So we had to right. reinvent the motorcycle mid-race, which we hate doing, but it's, it is what you what you do, you know? And uh, so I think this track offers us a little closer to what Mid-Ohio, uh, Road America, I mean, Road America and Laguna Seca, a couple others that they've repaved. They're probably right. repaved. So I think five of the nine racetracks are going to be pretty fresh asphalt. You know, so I think this track is good for that. It did have a number of different things, and it had a pretty decent straightaway, too. And then we got the fixed gear, and the gearing was close to Laguna, pretty short. You know, so first through six, we run first through six. I think we got to 295 kilometers an hour, something like 186 or something like that. 186 mile an hour down this straight here into this little turn right here. Yeah, to a first gear corner. And uh, if you go through the whole racetrack, you know, if you look at your shirt there, 
you get you go first, yeah. second, third through the S's, and then you kind of upshift a little bit. And you're again, you're trying to fight wheelies, engine braking, rear braking. You go down a first. You go down a first like um, down, this, down this bottom place too. Yeah, right? first first there. The next corner's first, I think, and the right hander's first. And I think you roll through second on the right hander, go on the front straight, and then you back to first again. So wow. it definitely puts a workout in the bike. It's not like Chuck Walla where. It's a fun track, you know, cool to cool to ride and, and uh, have a good time at, but it doesn't work the motorcycle or the rider. It's basically a two-gear racetrack. You know, you get rolling, you right? Make a speed track. That's about it. But you're not using doing the hard braking and first gear back shifts and trying to work on your engine braking and anti wheelie and all that stuff. Right. You know, so I think it's a pretty good track for that, and we get to use the hard tires. So that's a bonus, and it's not far from us. Right. You know, six hours away, so seven hours away and uh but a little three hours away so now we have a couple of good tracks we can go and, and play on and 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 the riders liked it which is good that's awesome yeah um okay so there's a couple of other questions coming in too um a lot of questions about uh the news of jd um getting a bmw ride yeah i, I knew that was going to happen a while ago but yeah, yeah i had to announce I, was, I kept asking when the, when the hell they're gonna announce this thing you know right and, yeah, usually uh, they wait till like right before the season starts. Well, if you remember, he rode at uh, Homestead. Was it Homestead down there? I think so. Airport. Yeah, he, he went and did like a little test ride, and I kept I kept telling some of the other teams I was actually trying to push Westby to take JD. You yeah, know, because I thought he did a really good job on our bike. You know, so we'll have to race against him next year. And I, I kind of I kind of uh, teased him a bit. I think he he wanted the number graphic that was on our bike. We did a. A different style number for him that 95 right. a little closer to the other numbers we're running you know, so we had owen our graphics guy do it up right. and uh he wanted it i'm like nah it's for sale <laughs> you know that kind of thing you could keep running your old dirt track number on the bmw yeah yeah i told him we, we still don't have a title sponsor for the team so i'm gonna have to sell you the number there you because go i can afford a rear tire for you you know we kind of joked around a little bit right i shot him the graphic but yeah he'll be running that number that number 95 yeah that's cool he's gonna change up a bit he's gonna add pink you know typical jd and then sdk is riding that other bmw yeah there's quite a few bmws in there we'll have our hands full but hey well right. i think we'll rise to the occasion i'm pretty confident yeah okay yeah, the other guy too i can't remember his name cameron something or another he's riding one too yeah cameron something or other yeah i can't remember his last name what the hell Berber, Berber. yeah something some kind of like french name Berber, Berber. <laughs> yeah Right. I think he's going to be fast, man. He's always fast, isn't he? Second, second year on the bike, he's going to be really fast, hard to beat. I don't know what the HSBK guys are doing, or the Warhorse, or whatever you want to call that team. So many letters on that team, but yeah. uh, they might. I heard they might have a two rider team, which is great. Yeah, I've heard uh, Laura SDK's Baz. Team, two riders, too, right? What'd you say? SDK's team has two riders, whatever that team is. Yeah, I it's. Uh, I think the other rider is the owner of the team, isn't it? Is it? I don't know yeah i had that guy on i had the guy on the show but he wouldn't tell me on the show that it was at sdk right oh because it wouldn't hadn't tell, been... tell you his name no no it, it's uh, what's his uh, a rango I think oh okay name. yeah florida guy right yeah yeah miami yeah well that's cool yeah yeah i mean good on them you know i mean i saw their i saw their setup when they were at coda last year and i was like man this must be some rich you know local cmra dude because I'd never seen those guys before. And, okay, um, shut up and answer some questions. 
Yeah. Anyway, you tell me you should have answer questions. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Like I said, the no agenda agenda. That's okay. right. So Trevor, no Trevor, that weird Honda guy, Watson. Um, Here's my notes for the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mine too. Look at that. <laughs> empty, empty napkin. Um, no, but Trevor is saying that uh, the story has been told before, you know, about the preseason Dunlops being awesome. And then the actual Motor America tires are shit and not the same as preseason. Is that is that like a normal story? That is that like a movie you guys seen before? Something changed without a doubt between the tires we tried in the preseason that and uh, last year. Right. And um, I talked to Tony a bit about it, but you know I don't want to get into all the details. But for sure, something changed between what we what we did in testing and what ended up getting produced. Okay. And uh, they may they may, but it, it's the same for everyone. So whatever, right? Right. Yeah, it, it did take away some of our advantage because the tire didn't produce the grip in the opening laps. Yeah. The previous tires did, but it did last longer. Right. Yeah. So it made the racing probably a bit better because Jake couldn't do the big checkout in the beginning. He had to wait a few laps and that allowed other guys to catch up, you know, or be right, right. there in the opening laps and get in his draft and race with him instead of doing the I'm four seconds ahead in the first two laps and, and I'm going to just mind the gap. So I think it made racing a little more interesting and it's going to make us work a little harder, but it's the same for everyone. And I think the front tire was, it was, it was a plus because even against the Japanese tires, it was better. It's just that the compounds we knew didn't work out to be the same feeling as the compounds we knew before. Like a one, two, nine compound was not like an R3, even though it has the one, two, nine top on it, you know? So we end up using a different tire instead of the R3. We had to jump past the R3. A lot of times R0 or R5. Right. You know, and sometimes R7. But the R3 became not the go-to tire like we was the previous year, which was the 129. Yeah, so we had to change kind of some of the way we thought about the rubber. You know, pressures and different things. But, yeah, it, it, it wasn't the same as testing. But we didn't test anything really new that they're going to bring out. That 118 tire, which I hope they bring that up because I think it's pretty cool. Uh, that, that could be the new Q tire kind of. Uh, I mean, no, it was a race tire. I mean, that thing did. No, but I'm saying you guys could use it in Q. I mean, it would, it was fast. Oh yeah. It would, it would, it would beat up on any Q they've given us not so far. Like the R0, yeah. Kill it, murder it. Really? But I don't know if it's going to perform the same at, at Buttonwillow when we get to a low grip track. It may, maybe know that, but I think it yeah. will be. I think it will be. Yeah. So Joseph, uh, Bittner says Alex Arango. Yeah. I said Arango. I, I just couldn't remember if it was Alex or, yeah. I don't yeah, know. You got a shit memory. Yeah. Smash my head a bunch. I got a bunch of crashed helmets back there. Like, well, now. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, bearded Jixer. Now, I'm just going to say this now. You see that you see the comments up. Like, it's not about the, the fuel controversy or anything, but like, have we done any testing with the new fuel that was supposed to come? I have three 355s come in the shop, but they won't be here till February. Okay. I mean, uh, middle of February. So we'll, we've been running the old gas just to get through it, putting in right. the generators and stuff because we had a bunch of it in the shop. And uh, we do have a little bit. So we might bring the R6 out and try to get some time on that. Okay. Because uh, we, we, uh, we finally got one of the uh, GYTR kit heads that they're using, the oh. new ones that they manufacture. They're really strictly for the race teams. I think right. Tom bringing in a handful of them. 
okay. some teams will have, but I saw some impressive stuff with it. Yeah. You know, uh, dialer numbers. I don't know if it'll be the same as what I saw, on, you know, from the Europeans, but it, we're gonna we're gonna give that a go and see how how the fuel does with that because that seems to be the limiting factor with our engines anyway, and um, in in the U.S. altogether. It right. Just, you can't lean on this hard. As but you know, we we had that conversation with with the VP guys quite a bit, quite often, and uh, so. I think they made a step forward with a with a new fuel, but we don't know yet. We really get a chance to hammer on another dyno. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. And then, you know, there's the question about the 200. You mentioned it earlier. You know, we don't know yet, basically, right? Oh, no, no. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, I know we're moving forward. Like, we're going to do it, but like... Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll push forward, you know, build bike and do all that stuff. And we have the bike from last year. We sold one of the bikes, but uh, we have another bike too. But we'll build build at least one to go ride, do some laps on, it and see how how it goes. So, eight forty eight Evo has a funny question: Which grips are faster, the thick ones or the thin ones? <laughs> whichever the one, whichever ones the riders. I prefer. love I love your Beavis and Butthead laughed at that. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, our guys don't really concern themselves with the grips. I think they have more to worry about. Okay. Like both guys use the same grips, they're Renthal mediums or whatever they are, and that's what they use. They're, they're probably fairly skinny. They got little curls on them, you know. So it's not something we concern our, ourselves about. Some riders are very, very particular. Our guys aren't. Right. What right. are you doing? Oh, uh, nothing. <laughs> All of a sudden, you got graphics popping up with some stuff. I, you know, is that like some sub, subliminal suggestions there or what? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a guy that was, there's a guy that was talking about, um, your, your opinion on the homeowners group that's trying to get Laguna Seca permanently shut down. Oh yeah. Permanently yeah. shut down, huh? That's the rumor. That's the rumor. I think, I think my, see, I, you know, we do contracts with all our mechanics and Yamaha does a contract with the riders, but a lot of times you can't really go after the contract because the guys have, have no uh, no assets or whatever, so you kind of let it go if someone screws you. You know, but for the homeowners, you know, maybe they should they should hire my 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 attorney, Smith and Wesson. Oh LLP, okay. yeah. Okay. I think Laguna should hire those guys. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I did have, I do have like a, I do have somewhat of a shirt design coming. Um, mm. Let's see if I could uh, pull it up in here. Let's see if I pull it up in the browser. So the track's been there since Fort Ord. I think the Corps of Engineers built that part in that track. You know, right. Army Corps of Engineers. They built the golf course there too. So these guys move close to the racetrack. I mean, I know it's on kind of premium area now. Right. Cut down the track because of what? Too much traffic? Everything? I mean, something. There's always something to whine about, right? Yeah. You know, that's uh that's the unfortunate problem with that. But yeah, I've got I've got basically a shirt design that kind of just says fuck the highway sixty eight coalition. I'll buy one. I mean, you know. I don't know uh, if anybody wants that comment and uh, see if you guys would buy something like that. <laughs> I think eventually, uh, I mean, a lot of these tracks are probably going to, that are in those kinds of resident high dollar residential areas. They're eventually going to go away. 
Yeah. We'll all be racing the desert or out in the woods somewhere. Right. Like well, it's you just know. It, you know, it's happening all over, you know, that there's that guy on that YouTube guy, Cletus McFarland, you know, he's got the he's got some kind of fun freedom factory thing and there's a housing development that and he's he's obviously worried because every time their neighbors happen to racetracks the racetracks close right and um you know it's just um i guess you know what it's this show so i'll just say it it's like what only a cunt would do that you know buy a house next to a racetrack and then complain about the noise from the racetrack like what kind of person does that i don't know yeah well i don't know I think a whole bunch of motorheads should just go and do burnouts in the dude's driveways. Maybe that. Maybe the, uh, the HOA should have asked, "Are you into racing?" Before they sold, you know, so you right? Yeah. House. But I mean, it's it's just it's just what's what's going to happen. Yeah, because Laguna Seca has been there since ever. You know, yeah, 50s. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. Anyway. Um, oh, here's one. Uh, Bearded Jixer says. Uh, have you heard any news on where Skultz is going? No, I haven't heard a thing. Yeah. I, I heard a little bit about possibly uh, Shibe's bike. Yeah. You know, possibly, or Bagger and Shibe's bike. I think a lot of guys who do the rotating, you know, are there for a bit and they are out of a job, they'll hop on a Bagger because it pays. Right. Right. So a lot of older two bike guys, a lot of guys don't have a job at the moment. They'll pop on one to get some right. You know, try right. to keep relevant. I don't know. I, I heard mean, Honda too, right? Like I heard of maybe a Honda thing. And I think that speculation was because he's available and Honda came out with like a massive amount of contingency money. Yeah, I mean, I, I was hoping someone would pick up the Honda program and do a surbike deal. Yeah. I heard Honda was open to it. They never approached us about it. We, our Yamaha contract ended in, in December, but luckily they've, you know, they haven't announced it yet, but I'm sure they will, you know, uh, what our arrangement is right going forward. But, um, you know, I'm super happy with Yamaha <laughs> yeah. and the arrangement we have and uh, the team and everybody on it and the motorcycles and, you know, our relationship with Yamaha racing and the guys in Europe. I mean, everything's freaking awesome. So I, I wouldn't want to change, but if it was the end of my relationship, I would probably jump on that Honda deal. Wow. I mean, you know, there's a, there's a buy a jet from Steve Maine. He's, you know, he's saying that the 24, 24 season, um, super bikes looking pretty stacked, super sports looking stacked, baggers are stacked. I mean, it sounds like the year is already shaping up to be badass. I think so. I, I think Motor America is, 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 I just hope they don't lose their mind and start thinking the DMG era was good. Right. You know, because every every now and then they start talking about, which is silly as hell, and you're probably your 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 viewers should, should voice their opinion. But all seven they, of them. Yeah, all seven of them. Well, we went from three and a half to seven, which is great. Yeah. And and but I think there's forty eight hundred right now. Right Motor America and say making super sport the premier class is just freaking stupid. Right. You know, like that's that's an also ran class. So I've said it before. Out of all the years that we've been racing, you know, uh, we've had super bikes. You know, there's been super bikes, and all these other classes have come and gone. You know, super sports yeah. morphed every which way to try to make it more more appealing. Right. And DMG tried to come in and make super sport the premier class. That never worked. Right. Everyone tuned out. 
you know, we had Twins class, we had Pro Thunder, we had, I mean, XRs, we had everything you could imagine. We had a couple of different iterations of XRs. What's that? We had a couple of different iterations of the XRs, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think they had the 883 class too before that. Yeah, it was always like, you know, a dozen guys or something lining up if that. Right. And it it was like a bad club day at at Chuck Walla where you had like two rows of guys, six guys, you know? Yeah. But here it's not that way anymore. Here's pretty damn stacked there. Dude, it is. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, there's, I mean, it, it's like a miniature national every weekend, apparently. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, when I was there, there was like nowhere to park. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So but eventually, I think all things morph. You know, I mean, the latest thing is electric, this and that's. So I can see them trying to get to some type of hybrid electric or something, making that more popular. I just don't know how, the, how all these tracks are going to charge all these vehicles. So uh, there's some commentary about you selling the rig to Altus. Oh, yeah. Okay. What's the comment? Yeah. Well, I mean, they're like, uh, well, Bearded Jixer says, plus you have all that money from selling your second hauler to Altus. And then this, the the Steve Main guy says, look for his logo on the Altus rig. So we spent we spent more on a CNC than than what the rig was sold for. Right. And you know what? I'll tell you what. Uh, George from Altus was super happy with it. Yeah, I just told him, make sure. I mean, we haven't, I haven't been <coughs> anything but stepped inside of it for three years. You know, like walked in and go, hey, is Chuck here? So I told him, I said, make sure you go from front to back on that thing because I, I wasn't in charge of the maintenance. You know, Westby guys had it for three years. Right. And so I can't, I can't say, oh man, the thing's awesome. I said, just look at it from front to back. You know, service the generator, do all the things you would when you buy it and you you know use vehicle, right? Take it to your to your shop and do all the oil changes on it. Check all the wheel bearings, check the brake pads. Yeah. You know, check all the functioning of everything and make sure it's good before you start committing to driving that thing cross country. Right. That stuff's like flying an airplane. You have to check them out all the time because stuff goes wrong all the time. So I told George that. So hopefully he takes that to heart. And, and I think well, it sounds it himself. sounds like he it sounds like he will. Yeah, like, I think he, he yeah. will. You will, you know, those things you got to take care of. And we, when we had it, we took care of it like it was a Ferrari, you know, everything was always looked at. Right. Right. Some people just don't do, don't do the same amount of care, care for equipment. So I yeah. do make sure that you check it all out. You know, uh, Sean Summers just uh, sent me a message uh, privately because he doesn't want to comment in public for whatever reason, but. There's like a million comments. I can't read them all. I know he, he was up. It was about uh, the Ray Hall thing. Like, Oh yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Ray Hall thing joining Supersport? Well, we're supporting that team. Oh, so really? We, we haven't announced anything, or we're not kind of like a deal with, between Ben Spees and ourselves because you know I'm a fan of Ben's. And, yeah, you know he, he did was, ride for your team. Yeah, he was on our team for a year, and I think it was in his learning years. You know, he was just a kid. Yeah. And it's funny at the time, you know, he was kind of like a little chubby kid, didn't know about working out things like that. And once he hopped on Yosh, he got super serious. You know. Yeah. He was on our team. He was a little bit sickly. He was sick a couple of times. He couldn't ride the bike, but oh, wow. he was so talented. I mean, he was an amazing amount of talent. So I, I was really happy to see him go to uh, go to World Superbike and yeah. uh, and win that championship straight away. I mean, I remember seeing him in Bernal, and 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 uh, you know uh, Ben's kind of a gearhead. So I remember oh, went over to when I was in Bernal, watching him ride. You know, just kind of in the area. So I stopped in, said hi to him. And uh, all he could talk about was the aluminum and the frame and how they've gusted the steering head and all these different things. So he's really into it. 
So I think he'll have a good time with it. It's, it's going to be tough on him. And, and James Compton is kind of like the team, I don't know what you call him, team manager, I guess. He, he's building the bikes and he's right. got, and he, he's a nice guy too. And, and, you know, I wish that team really good luck. And, uh, you know, they got some talented riders and should be fun. Yeah, we're just sporting with some of our product and it's pretty cool. So there's going to be, uh, I guess, attack rear sets on the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We designed some new stuff for them. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot easier to install than the Ducati stuff. Holy crap, stuff like hard to work on. Really? Wow. Oh, yeah. If I had to race a Ducati, I would completely redesign the whole motorcycle. It's impossible to work on. Oh, wow. We fall down, it's going to take an hour to change the rear sets. I mean, it, oh, it, dude. That the, the, the rear brake, I mean, the right side where the brake is, I don't know how they do a fast assembly at the at the at the factory. They must do it with a swing arm off, you know. Oh, and wow. they, like they probably put that stuff on the chassis first because you need some flexi tools and all kinds of stuff to take the bolts out. Really? Yeah, it's awful. It's oh, an man. awful motorcycle to work on. So are those? Uh, I guess you would. You're gonna. Are you gonna sell those rear sets as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, we just cool. we just sent them the first prototypes. They're, those guys are gonna go out and test here pretty soon. Okay. You know, they're a little behind. I guess they're waiting for some parts because, I mean, you know, Comp is like, wow, this is it's racing. Oh, man, this is going to be a lot of work, man, building a whole new team. And same with Comp. It's like, it's going to be a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, Comp has been around. He's just been out of it for a little bit. But, you know, he was with Jordan. I think he worked with Yosh, I believe. I don't remember his whole history, but he's been around the paddock for a bit. So those guys right. know, know what to do. And obviously, Ben's quite the talent. And he'll be able to uh, give the riders the proper advice, you know, about how to ride the cycles. <laughs> Oh, here's a good question. Um, Cody Krager, he's he's asking what your thoughts are on that top pro team having a rider basically in every class in Moto America. Which pro team? That's the that's the it's called Top Pro. That's the team that SDK is riding for. Oh, so I they guess have a rider in every class. Dude, they have they have like the Junior Cup, dude. I I think they have everything but a bagger. I don't think they have a bagger. Correct me if well, I'm wrong. Isn't the, the the kind of like that too? Because they not anymore, dude. They're solid. They used to have a, their foot and everything. Yeah, they had a they had a junior cup and a twins cup guy, and stock thousand basically, right? Yeah. But this guy's got legit like junior cup, twins, you know, stock thousand, super bike, super sport. I think. Yeah, yeah that's great. The only thing I concern myself with is burnout. Yeah. You know, because. You could do everything badly or you could do a couple things good. Right. You know, so that's the only thing I would ever guess. It's like, wow, if you can pull that off, then great. You know, better man than me. But focus a lot of times is, is to get you a better result. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Steve Main is saying, Altus, again, you know, like I was saying, George is focused on just doing super sport. Like, their guys are 100% super sport. They have three riders coming. Yeah. I don't All know. I don't. I don't know if I should say. I don't think they've announced it yet, right? No, he said. He he said it was like Jake Lewis and yeah. I forget who else, but yeah, Come yeah. On, guys. Obviously, his own son. You know, Jarrett. That's son. right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then Jake Lewis, his son, and then another person. I can't the, remember who. I think a kid, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I forget. Jake should do well on that team. Oh, he should absolutely. We out, we're going to be at Podium Club again on uh, six and seven. Okay. You know, you know, well, you're going to be there too. So it's not oh, like yeah, yeah, <laughs> fully aware. Okay, am, am I supposed to go? I forgot. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. You're buying me dinner, right? Like that's great. That's yeah, great. appreciate yeah. it. Or Greg duck. Greg normally comes and buys dinner. We ducked out the last time. Well, because he's staying at the fancy golf resort. Remember? Was he? Yeah. 
I think he was pretty tired. He was, but yeah. he also stays at the golf resort. So Greg's a capit guy who sells those boxes for fifteen hundred bucks with yeah, water. yeah. The the terrarium. You just yeah, gotta. You can message Dustin for his home personal number. <laughs> yeah, don't message me for that shit, dude. <laughs> no, it's uh, yeah. Just uh, hit up at Attack Yamaha for that on Instagram. There you go. Dude, the tire thing worked out really good. I'm, I'm really happy yeah. with the way that, that worked out. You know, the, the, the 220 warmers. And, you know, I mean, we could cook 16 tires at once and not have yeah. a, a circuit breaker fail. Yeah, Torin Collins is the third kid on the Altus team. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I'm terrible with names, He's too. A, man. Yeah, me too. He's a good kid, though. I've seen him around. Yeah. So they'll be out with us on, on the 6th and 7th at yeah. Podium Club again. And uh, I don't know if I need to bring my own personal weapons and, and put some rounds down range or, or just share theirs or what. I probably won't have time again to do anything. Yeah, we're we're probably going to scumbag you into coming out anyway. Yeah, somehow, I, somewhere. I got bikes to worry about. Uh, you could delegate that shit. You know, you know, the no, you know, big no, bird will get in there. Dawn will go off on the, you know, on a tangent somewhere and come back and, and the whole bike's like com completely different than I saw. So you got to crack the whip a little bit every I got to make sure I keep those Canadians in check. You never oh, know when they dude. could take off to the tundra, you know? Oh, man. That's so funny. Um, all right. Well, you know what? We've got uh, we've got some squiggly lines. You want to look at that a little bit? Uh, what do you want to see? Well, I know you have it up here. I Let me, uh, I guess I could well, put I mean, it up. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff there. But I, you, you know what? The biggest thing I want to see, uh, because we were talking about it quite a bit, is... Uh, jake's brake pressure going into turn one okay yeah so let me uh let me, me turn let me, all right there you are yeah let me share this uh and uh you know what? i'll just make the screen real big so everybody can see that instead of our stupid faces yeah that that this platform's way better man your last platform really sucked you know what man like it's funny you say that dude you I say mean, that the pin the gas podcast guys get a shit when you say when he hears that the, the who uh, there's another podcast dude that's been kind of scumbagging me to go to this platform for a little bit. Well, and, I mean, uh, better. I mean, the other one you couldn't even bring up the shared screen because it would be, you know, our heads would be half the screen. They, uh, right. Can you turn our heads off? Or, no. You know, it's not yeah. even these here. Our heads. They want to see the squiggly lines. What's wrong with you? Right. Well, I hope so everybody can see this. Okay, it looks pretty cool on YouTube for me. I don't know. Yeah, it looks all right, and I can move the stuff around, and it works. And yeah, it? oh look, you can see your oh look at that, everything works. Yeah. So what do you want? What do you want to see? I can show it to you. This yeah, let's. Uh, I mean, the the brake pressure for going into turn one, like what kind of um, force was he putting in? And and mind you, this is with your fancy badass Brembo calipers. What do you call those things? Uh, um they're their world two by calipers but they're yeah. so um you know they have a brake boost they have a booster ramp on them okay so it's it's the latest things that brembo makes and they, they finally i've been bugging brembo forever when we were over at uh, port of mal i said come on man get sell us those calipers why why are you guys being mean to the americans you know and right. they're on the list they just wouldn't sell them and finally they came out and said all right all right we'll we'll sell you the calipers and uh, anybody could get them this racing motor america superbike but they're they're super cool and uh they grab really hard so what happens is when when you uh when you pull the lever the the, the top of the pad ramps into the rotor so you get a little bit of a power boost it's almost like oh. having power, power brakes but even with that i mean immediately the guys drop their pressures but we've been working on the way the bike the bike stops 
And so um, we can zoom up on this area here. You can see this is uh, this is the brake pressure, a 12.2 bar with a booster, which is okay. Wow. It's pretty so good. that's like, that's what, 17 bar on the other one, right? Something like that, yeah. yeah. You had to really squeeze the other one to get the same amount of pressure at the pad. Yeah. So, so yeah, and then he just fades off in there. It's like, you know, boom, boom, boom. These are downshifts, one, two, three, four, five. And that Sylvan Gintley also talks about how the downshift pattern will help with your engine braking performance. Yeah. So people should watch that, and riders especially. You know, maybe Dude, his back, Jake's yeah. backshifts are always really close together. Well, always. that was one of the things we worked on immediately. Yeah. And, uh, we went out to, to test with uh, the first time with Jake in 2020. We uh, he, he came by at Buttonwillow going down the front straightaway and went in the corner. He's like, boom, 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 boom. I said, what are you doing? What is that? <laughs> You know, I, I said, I said, you need to listen to Cameron. Cameron go in the corner, bang, bang, bang. And uh, yeah, so now Jake's boom, 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 all the way, trying to keep the revs up. And that gives right. you a little better, more immediate engine brake control. So it makes your engine braking uh, more effective. And huh. you can, so what, what this is here, you can see this is a, this is a, uh, on this graph here. Can we see where the cursor is? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that'd be the front wheel. That's GPS speed, actually, but where's the front wheel? Front wheel, it's a rear wheel. There's the front. Slow oh. down, rear wheel. Um, so this little dip in here is yeah. is a separation between front and rear brake. I mean, front and rear slip. And you oh. can see over here when he starts to bend it in, he's got quite a bit of slip going in the corner. And that helps him turn. And then he gets... Then, then the wheels come in line and he goes to the apex. Hmm. So you get, that's a first gear corner. It's only 55 kilometers an hour. That's slow. Yeah. That's corner. You know, that's parked. Yeah. And, and I, I, I actually went down there and I watched him. And, yeah. you know, we, you know, Jake's been working on the brake thing ever since that. Ex it seems like ever since that experience at Portimao, that really, it like really made Jake kind of refocus or uh, focus more on his entry braking, right? Well, it wasn't just him. It was our setup. Oh, okay. You know, so, so the whole team. Yeah, yeah. So we had to refocus. I mean, John got, you know, shocked into understanding basically how hard those guys break. Right. How much we needed to work on our setup for that. Okay. Because, because Jake was winning everything, right? I mean, he was setting all the track records. He, he had the most amount of wins in the season. He's got the record for that, right? Yeah. And, uh, and so – you know, what are you going to improve, right? Until you get to the world level, you're like, oh, crap, we suck in this area. Right. You know? And we did. We sucked really badly in the braking performance. And so this is why we've been working on that. And I think Jake's come a long way since Portimao. You know, if we ever went yeah. back again, I think he would perform much, much stronger than he did before. And that was one oh, of the sure. areas where, where it just the bike wouldn't let him squeeze the lever that hard. And... Uh, and uh the uh we try to do it with rear engine braking and things like that it just it just wasn't good. yeah well yeah. like i said i went down to turn one down there and i mean i i don't think i've ever seen jake with the rear wheel in the air as much as i did during that test i mean he was i could put the screen back up and see if we could see that but i mean uh having the rear wheel in the air do you see that on the data like what what does that do to the uh, data i could show you in suspension basically the rear goes flat you know the rear oh, okay. uh, stroke so let me let's see if we can find where marshall hit the suspension screen here 
because uh, man it was it was crazy looking i was trying to zoom in i i, I even stood in different spots with the gopro and you know the naked eye you could see it but the gopro because it's wide angle or whatever it looked far i tried it with my phone even but man he's He's yeah, so, so here we go. Um, we'll zoom out so we know what we're looking at. So this is entry into one. Okay. Right? It's first gear corner. So he puts the thing almost at the bump stop, that little line right there. Yeah. That's, that's the, the bump, bump stop? Bump stop, <laughs> yeah. So about 126 millimeters or so. And then you get into the rubber. And <laughs> so it gets in there. It's, the thing's always smashed flat. And then uh, here's the rear tire off the ground, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's why you see a flat line. That means it's completely topped out. You know, it's a big up against yeah. the top ring, and then it settles in right about here. So almost in the corner. So this is why using a rear brake with your foot in this area does absolutely nothing. Aha. Uh -huh. Well, there's no there's no traction. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no tire. I mean, the tire's off the ground, or it's barely sliding on the ground. You follow? What I'm saying. Yeah. Like and you can see it here this these two graphs here this is the rear wheel speed and he's making all the downshifts with this graph here so yeah. the rear wheel speed bing, bing, bing. is lower than the yeah. front brake but look at the front compared to the gps i mean he's actually reducing the front speed is reducing more than the gps is the oh, gps wow. lags a little bit but what does that tell me it tells me that he's actually on the verge of locking the front wheel too yeah you know what i'm saying i mean the front end was totally smashed you know, and the rear wheels in the air, and he was just like, "Bing, bing, bing, bing." You know, I was like, "God damn!" I mean, it. Yep. And then it, then it, then it settles in the rear wheel here, and then this is where it. You see the graph go up. That's when the rear wheel starting to plant. And okay. this is this is the place right here that you can actually use a little bit of rear brake to help you turn the bike, right in that area there. Okay. When the rear tire touches down, my <laughs> finger brake is so important because you can actually apply a little bit of rear brake in that area. And, and if you look at that area, that looks like that graph above that one where your cursor is, the graph ab above that, here? that's his front brake, right? So no, it looks that's, like a front, that's a front suspension travel. That's a front suspension travel. So it's all traveling here down. So the front end is down in this area. And then okay. the front starts to recover. But then he goes back down again, right? Yeah, it's still 100 millimeters. Right. It? Yeah. It's still but it does slightly raise up as the arc of the other graph yep. goes up, and too. So this is what you see in the MotoGP bikes. Their front end stays down all the way to the apex, and then they start releasing the brake, and then the front comes up and transfers the rear. Ah, okay. So that in this sense. area, this transition point is when the MotoGP guys start to apply a little bit of rear brake to get the bike to hook the corner, take okay. some of the load off the front, because this is the place where you, you would lose grip on the front crash. So wow. they use a little bit of rear brake to take some of the load off the front tire, Give the front tire a chance to turn the corner, and and help help it turn the corner by putting a little bit a little bit of the uh, speed reduction into the rear tire. So uh, taking some of the friction capability, adding it to the rear tire, you know. Yeah. And reducing some of the some of the force on the front tire, and then you get to the apex and you accelerate away. Wow, man, that's. Yeah. And that's and you do that every corner, right? I mean, this is what they do. So anytime you see you see the front like completely down and, and flat like this yeah that means that he's able to level uh, he's able to enter the corner you know with the front totally compressed and then and then accelerate off the corner you know yeah he he, he also <laughs> still does that he still does that like snap the bike upright thing too you know at the corner exit yeah man it's yeah, just he like does that. 
he, he, that's his style, basically. You don't see as much of that in World Superbike. I think Batista does it a little bit more than Top Rack does. Right. Some guys like to leave it on the side of the tire. It depends what kind of tire you have, too. You know, right. Jake searches for searches for grip by moving the bike around to see where it's getting the most amount of grip. Right. But it does it does save the edge of the tire, at least with our Dunlops, you know, and uh, and that allows you to have a little more left at the end of the uh, at the end of the uh, at the end of the race. Wow, man, that's uh, that's some crazy stuff. Oh, we can do this crap for hours. You oh, want to see what the throttle does? The, the what? Thing? See what the what does? The TRM, the throttle. You said yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, here let me the uh, the popping and banging. Yeah. So let's go to uh, back to the rider screen. Yeah, and I'll go full screen on this too. This yeah. this this new platform, I'm digging it, dude. Uh, it's better on my end. Without yeah, that. yeah, way better. Yeah, let's take a look at the popping and banging thing on the straight because, like, it sounded like it was just continuous down yeah, the straight smooth, it didn't right? sound like the it sounded smooth it didn't sound like the old cracking and popping thing that we used to hear yeah so you can see what the ecu does this is jake's the purple purplish color whatever they call it thing fuchsia you know puce puce whatever it's some kind of purplish looking pink i'm thing. saying that because i'm colorblind i'm just making shit up okay yeah and anyway, so the one, the, the line that looks like white to you or black or whatever the heck you're looking at, uh, yeah. gray, different shades of gray. Uh, this, this one here that goes straight, that's his wrist. Okay. This other one's a throttle. The ECU work in the throttle oh, to find grip. Okay. You see all that stuff? Yeah. That's the ECU trying to find grip. And on top of that, and here, and see the where this, these little guys here, can you see this area here? Yeah. That's the front floating. <laughs> it floats there and it floats there and it floats there and it floats there and as the front's floating you can overlap it you see the throttle does its thing and shuts down okay if you had a rider try to do that they would be either late with the throttle or these chops would be much bigger huh and if they use the rear brake you'd have this big force right here and the bike would take that much longer to start accelerating again wow wow you know, so yeah, like I say, if the guys haven't used the rear brake in areas where it doesn't make sense, then their data guy sucks. <laughs> it's always to it. Wow, man. I mean, yeah. it's uh, yeah, so our data guy's really good. Their their data guy is. No, yeah. luckily our data guy's really yeah. good. Yeah, you mean like you and Marshall? Uh, you know what? Marshall does such a good job. I barely even look at the damn computer anymore. That's yeah. BS. Yeah. Well, only when we get stuck on something, I'll come in and interject. Okay. Okay. So, what else you got? What else you got new uh, in the works for this season? Uh, oh, stuff. Uh, we got this uh, new swing arm, chunk o metal. Only part of it. Yeah, it started off with a big piece of billet, but then it becomes a swing arm. This is the. Uh, oh, I thought you were making me like a, a like a parts tray for you know. Yeah, we can use you it for throw your axle in there, you know. You put some strings on it to use it for a guitar, I think. Oh, dude, totally. Yeah. So throw some humbuckers on there, dude. Yeah, we, we try we did try a little bit of something, you know, a couple different flex swing arms that Jake seemed to like one better, a little bit better than the other. There isn't a shitload of time in there, but there's a little bit, maybe. So okay. we're gonna do that a little bit. Maybe not this test, but maybe uh, a test or two down the road. Try to introduce that. And then we got some different engine configurations we're gonna test too. And you know, so there's a bunch of stuff. Uh, we have a, a new frame uh, geometry we're going to do. 
we're taking the the rule book and going to the full extent on the rules with the steering head you know say say you can move the the bearings plus or minus six millimeters and we didn't have that in the r1 chassis oh. space wise and uh so but they do allow us to bore it as an oval so we're making some and we can weld on it too uh so we're going to do a little bit of steering head mods with our new cnc that we just we just purchased and uh then we're going to have a little more range for the front end so trying to head a little bit more towards motor gp as far as oh, the wow. yeah okay. i mean you know the the beamer the ducati super fast so we're going to have to do it all on the brakes and and uh you know acceleration and let those guys try to do, use that whole straightaway to catch us. Uh, make them use the whole straightaway. To catch yes, exactly. Take the long way around. Yeah, right? yeah, there's a few things we're working on. Just keep uh, keep going down that list. You know, get as much done as you can. Some new rider uh, positioning too. That I think will help us. Rider positioning. Oh, yeah. you're changing the fuel tank somehow. Is that? Right? Yeah, we're we're changing the feed height a little bit, moving pegs around, stuff like that. Stuff that we've been wanting to do since middle of last season so we're kind of going to get to it wow okay yeah. well uh i got a couple more questions before we wrap this thing uh proto wants to know how much stiffer is, do you think the new swing arm will be i didn't say it was gonna be stiffer oh look at that i just said we're gonna working on the stiffness ah okay yeah and then um 848 evo wants to know how long does it take to assemble slash build a swing arm Yes, um, the actual assemble slash build takes about I don't know three four hours, but the machining the parts is is time consuming. It takes it, it'll probably it usually takes us a good four days of machining. You know, all all every every aspect of it takes almost a solid day, different setups. So yeah, probably about four days of making chips and a few hours of welding. Wow. Okay. Making chips, you mean the uh, debris that you pull out and throw into bags? Yeah, aluminum chips, not potato chips. Well, I mean, you know, you guys could make chips over there. I mean, you got yeah, the mission and chip, everything. Yeah, chips. Yeah, yeah. We're, not, we're not using that in the swing arm. Aluminum. All right, all right, all right. Okay. And then <laughs> uh, Mike C says, uh, are there any thoughts on the 1099 Aprilia being homologated? Nobody seems to know if it's just Stock 1000 or Superbike also. You know, that, that conversation came and went, it seemed like. Okay. You know, uh, there was uh, there was one team that was trying to homologate it early on for Supersport. And I don't know, Motor America booted it, didn't accept it. Something happened. I don't know. I don't know where that's at lately. But it'd be cool if they got one more in the class. I think if, if they did, they're going to have to work on restricting it. I mean, 1,100 cc's, right? And what, what is the right. size of it again? Uh, 1099. So yeah, so 100 cc—that's a gigantic advantage, right? So, what do you do to restrict it? Is it a super stock engine, you know, and everybody else is on super bike spec? I, mean, I don't know. You start mixing all these different sizes, and then the, the whole restriction game becomes a challenge, right? Then it's a concessions game, ultimately. Yeah, and then it becomes becomes the rule guys playing with your performance, which I'm not right. a big fan of. I just wish everybody was on the same same um basic rules package right but right. you know i mean no one in supersport is happy with the rules package as far as what the performance they have the yamaha guys are like my bike is it doesn't accelerate like the 750 50 guys are like 
Oh, my bike revs too low. The Ducati guys are, uh, oh man, everyone gets past. Stop us. taking my power away. Yeah, they keep taking my power away. I mean, it's all you hear. Right. You know, and the rules guys have to deal with that all the time. It doesn't seem like any fun. Yeah, that, yeah, the super bike thing sounds way more fun. It is. It's yeah. a lot of fun. All right, man. Well, shit, I guess I'll see you in a couple weeks. Right. Hey, don't ever call me Manuel. Manuel? Manuel. Man. Yeah. No, the other thing I called you earlier, I still, yeah, I got it. I'll, okay. I'll catch up to you. I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. <laughs> All right, dude. Well, I'll see you in a couple of weeks, man. What are we? What are we accomplished in this little thing? Nothing. <laughs> like who the fuck cares? Like, crap. Yeah. I tell you, you know, next time, next time, <laughs> next time, we'll talk about uh, not only what you're testing and how things went then, but we'll also talk about Daytona and whether or not we're going to do it. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we can make that that decision by next time. Yeah, it might take so. all the way till Daytona before we know. I'm hopefully oh, not. Oh shit, man. <laughs> yeah, Claudia Gutierrez says, "Remember to like and subscribe." I'm like, yeah, that too. Yeah, that whatever. <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> liking or subscribing to me. That's all I know. It's all you. Yeah, I gotta get you a microphone, man. I know you said you didn't want one, but we should get you one. Yeah, then after my next YouTube out. check. <laughs> No, I don't want to make a job out of this. I just pop on sometimes. That's it. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, man. All right, dude. Well, I'm going to end recording. Thanks a lot. All right.